0: This is With You in the Weeds.
1: Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Roush.
0: And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything, so we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started.
1: Okay, well, welcome to With You in the Weeds. I am here with my husband, Shay, and I think this is the first time that you and I have just done an episode by ourselves.
2: Yeah, yeah, is that so right? this should be hopefully fun. Yeah, we get to connect I... <laughs> over
1: the microphones.
2: <laughs> hopefully, not have conflict True. in the midst of this episode. True. Have to work it out, but uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to doing this with you, Lynn.
1: And I meant to say, and I'm looking forward to this episode as well, and I meant to say, Thank you for taking out the trash this morning. I Mm, forgot to say thank you. You're welcome. You do a lot of things around the house that go unnoticed and sometimes unappreciated. So I just want to say thank you because I notice them and I try to mention them, but sometimes I forget. So thank you for all that you do. Well, we're glad that you're here and that you're listening I want to start with a couple of just kind of mini announcements for our listeners that they want to just pay attention to. And the first one is, and I'm really kind of excited about this, we are going to be having an open house where you can come and meet the whole With You in the Weeds team. Shay, did you know we were doing this?
2: I I do. (laughs) I've got it on my
1: calendar. Yeah, going to be there. Good, good. Good. so if you come to this open house, you'll get to meet Shay, John, Austin, and myself. We're going to have you know, some just fun foods and, and beverages and just a time to connect and relax. It's going to be very casual, but it's going to be on Friday, March 1st from 5 to 7 p.m. here in Columbia, Missouri at The Crossing. And so we just wanted a chance to get out from behind the microphone and and meet you guys because, you know, you're our listeners. You're the ones that support what we're doing. And we just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Learn more about what we're doing. Learn how we can just continue to expand our reach with this really great Christian mental health resource.
2: And, yeah, and uh, we might even be able to get John Tennant to do his Rocky Balboa imitations. <laughs> he, he is very, really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: so
3: funny. I know. Yeah. John's yeah. such
1: a funny guy. And I know a lot of our listeners, you know, they kind of wonder, you know, who are these people behind the microphone? So again, this would be a great chance to just meet people. And we are going to have a special guest. Now, I definitely wanted to invite anyone who's ever been a guest on our podcast, and I didn't know if this would happen, but it turns out that my dad, Erwin Lutzer, who was on our narcissism episodes, he is going to be at this event as well. And so if you would like to meet him, because those have been some of our most popular episodes, please come. He would love to meet you. And so that's kind of a little special added bonus for this open house.
2: And he can do a uh, great Billy Graham. That's <laughs> true. Imitations as well. So yes. it'll, and has tons of jokes. So that's it'll true. be an entertaining evening. In fact,
1: if we give him the microphone, it would turn into a whole comedy <laughs> yeah, session. Yeah. And I don't know if people would be ready for that. Yeah.
2: The key is don't give him the microphone. Okay, Never, that's true. ever give him the microphone. Okay, but,
1: that's a good reminder. Yeah,
2: glad he's coming. Should be cool.
1: And if you have not signed up for our newsletter yet, you are missing out. So I want you to go to our website, withyouintheweeds.com, and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Because if you get that every week, you'll get the episode summaries linked to free resources and content that you can just really easily share with family and friends. And uh, So check that out if you haven't done that yet. The link to that is in the show notes. But today, we are continuing with our Managing Your Dysfunctional Family series. And I hope you've been following along because we've addressed really a, a myriad of ways that family relationships can be difficult, strained, broken, or even at times completely severed. And so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about loving your prodigal so the word prodigal i had to look this up but it has a latin root which means to drive away and it also has the connotation of someone who's maybe squandering or mishandling money or being wasteful i think most famously this word is associated with that parable in the bible wouldn't you say shay that most people when they hear the word prodigal they are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. Yeah,
2: Luke 15. And yeah. so
1: and so that is kind of the image that comes up where Jesus talks about the son who leaves his home, leaves his family, takes his dad's inheritance, essentially, and then goes and pursues a very lavish lifestyle. And we're going to tell that story a little bit later. But for our purposes today, we are just defining a prodigal as someone who, for various reasons that we'll get into rejects having a relationship with you. And this is something that's intentional. It's not just, oh, we drifted away, they moved out of state. This is an intentional act to to end the relationship with you as you have previously known it. And so it's a fracturing of the relationship. And it means that there's really no longer fellowship between you. There's no trust, maybe no communication, or at least in the way that you once Had And and the prodigal's heart towards you, it may be cold, it may be a cold heart towards God. And, you know, maybe you're listening today and you do not personally have a prodigal child. So maybe there's just someone that you love and care about, a family member, a friend, someone that you went to church with. um, And maybe you've just experienced them as wandering away. Maybe they've left your family, left the friendship, left the church family, maybe even left their faith because they've sought fulfillment or acceptance elsewhere. And this has really changed the level of trust in the communication between you. And
2: And I would just add here, Lynn, you know, in, in preparing for this episode, it is amazing. And also, you know, in... The, the, the counseling that you do in my role as a pastor of how many people we yeah. do come across mm-hmm. that have a prodigal or they know another family that has a prodigal. And so I think if, if this doesn't apply to you, it's probably could be a great resource that you could maybe send to other people that yeah. you know are dealing with this issue.
1: That's a great point. And when this happens, and it, and it does happen because we do talk to people about this, it's very real and it is very hurtful. And it is particularly hurtful when the prodigal in your life is your child because there is a sadness, there's a loss, there's a grief that runs very deeply. And many parents that I've spoken with and, Shay, that you've talked to who maybe have a child who's, quote, you know, wandered off or been driven away, they wonder, what did I do wrong that's probably the first thing that they are wrestling with.
2: Yeah. And maybe even lots of guilt.
1: And they feel a lot of guilt. And then they're asking the question, what can I do now? You know, what next? And so today we're going to focus more on the prodigal child experience, but the the principles that we're going to talk about today are really applicable to other relationships as well. And so If you're a parent that has experienced this or is going through this, we just want to start by normalizing you. Because when this happens, one thing I think that's very true is there's a lot of embarrassment. There's feelings of shame. And people don't like to open up about it because the hurt just runs so incredibly deep. And so we want to start by offering the grace that you could be the best parent in the world and still have a prodigal child. In fact, we take comfort in the reality that God parented Adam and Eve, so they had perfect parenting, (laughs) and yet they rebelled, right? They wandered away. They squandered the, the gifts that God had given them. They rejected the instruction that they were given, and they experience some very harsh consequences as a result.
2: And so do we, as, a, as well. Right? Mm-hmm. All hell broke loose in yeah, the world with sure. the fall. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, I'll mention, Lynn, that m- many of us from are familiar with you know Proverbs twenty two six, um, which says this: Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. And um, y- you know, I I think. Um, that it, we we need to understand that that Proverbs is wisdom literature, but this isn't a promise. Um, now now most of the time this is probably true. This is the way it it, it works out. It's wisdom for life um, that we're commanded to raise our children in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Um, we as Christians are to pass on our Christian worldview to our children, but it's not a guarantee that they will follow you in the faith or not become a prodigal. Um, You know, Adam and Eve, as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, are a great example. Or we can think of David's son, Absalom. Um, Even Jesus in his discipleship, right? His discipleship. He had a Judas. And Paul had a disciple named Demas, right? Who left because he was so in love with the ways of the world. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, uh, as Christians, we need to know uh, that that salvation, right, is granted by God. So we trust him with these things. So we want to relieve the guilt that uh, some parents... Parents might feel, you know, thinking they're the cause Mm -hmm. of their prodigal. You know, ultimately, adult children are responsible for their own sin and, and their lives before God.
1: Yeah, so we want to address this topic today. Just we're going to start by looking at different types of prodigals. And I think it's helpful to think of these on a spectrum. And so you may recognize some of these traits in your child or, you know, we talked about maybe it's a friendship or a family member. Um, but with kids, you know, just be aware that this could be just normal developmental issues that we all cycle through. So if you have a teenager that's pushing back and questioning you and acting defiantly, that doesn't necessarily make him or her a prodigal. That that could be some very healthy, normal behavior. They're just kind of figuring out who they are, and that's okay. But we want to look at the more extreme end of the spectrum where A child's attitudes and behaviors in adulthood really change into a stance that completely undoes the nature of your relationship with them. And so we're going to look at three types of prodigals. We're going to look at the defiant prodigal, the cultural prodigal, and the distrusting prodigal. And we've taken some of this material from a book that we would really recommend. I will put the link in the show notes, but it's called Reaching Your Prodigal by Phil Waldrop. And so we're using a lot of his ideas in today's show. But Shay, start us off with, what do we mean by the embarrassing or the defiant prodigal?
2: Yeah, I've kind of combined uh, two of the categories here Mm -hmm. when I mentioned the embarrassing or the defiant prodigal. Um, But this type of prodigal, is, is very outwardly rebellious. And so their behavior might be, you know, publicly embarrassing to you. Um, maybe they've been arrested for a crime. Um, maybe they're serving time in prison or they just have a reputation of being untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this might be a daughter uh, living with a boyfriend or vice versa. Or um, if you're a grandparent, it could be, say, a grandchild who is in drug rehab. Um, And and sometimes this behavior is, is done out of just ignorance or foolishness or just because of their sin nature. But it could also be done with the intention to Mm -hmm. to hurt you, Mm -hmm. right? To get Mm -hmm. back at you. We're going to talk Mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. Um, They they may openly, therefore, denounce you, your faith, your parenting. And and so this prodigal is angry and defensive and often refuses any input that you want to give them or Mm -hmm. correction. Um, You know, I know of someone who told me that the reason she was... Uh, sexually promiscuous in college and even after was because she was just angry at her father. Mm. Maybe maybe because her father didn't pay attention to her. I, I'm not quite sure. But she said, you know, I just wanted to get back at him.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and
2: now, at, you know, having a conversation with her many years later after the fact and after she came back to Jesus and, and, and um, she said, really, in looking back on her behavior, that, that the only person she really hurt was herself, mm. which was interesting comment, I thought.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and so this could be someone maybe like, you know, in the Bible, Absalom, uh, David's son, if you remember, who tried to take the throne from his father, David. He actually tried to kill him. And now we know that David, right, was forgiven of his sin with Bathsheba. And having uh, killed Uriah, her husband, uh, David, you know, found forgiveness and that great Psalm 51 or Psalm 32, we're told that David had a heart for God, but but perhaps because of David's failure. And and his sin, even though he was forgiven by God, you know, perhaps he didn't train his children that followed to walk with God. Uh, Maybe he didn't speak up when it came to moral issues um, as a result of his embarrassment. And and Absalom was the result. Um, You know, when his sins became public, we know he lost in some sense his moral authority in his kingdom. Uh, To an extent, as well as he had perhaps no emotional connection with Mm, Absalom, interesting, and and all of those things led to Absalom rebelling, or it it could be the you know the younger story, the younger son in in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, as we mentioned, whose father, you know, as far as we know, uh, we're not told, but did nothing wrong, Mm
3: -hmm. you know,
2: in his parenting. Uh, so there's no guarantees here. And, and I want parents to hear that. Uh, I know um, uh, people who are just wonderful, godly people and parents, and they've done as far as the best they could. They've done well with their children and raising them, and yet their children have walked away from the Lord. But I, I just want you to know that even if that is the case, there is still hope. And I just want to mention that I say the embarrassing prodigal because you know as a parent, you know that when – your son or daughter walks away right it, it can become an embarrassment to you. Mm-hmm. you you feel the shame over that you, you you probably realize that other people are gossiping about mm-hmm. your child mm-hmm. and, and therefore you often try to cover for them
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, so for example your, your child has been fired from four jobs because of some sort of drug problem that they have but you won't admit that truth and you cover for them and you make excuses for them mm-hmm. well their boss was mean, or they're just looking for a better job, those, those kind of things. And, and at the end of the day, having a prodigal can be very painful, as we mentioned, because we feel like it, it's somehow a reflection sure. on us. Yeah. And, and it can be very lonely because everyone, when we go through that, can abandon us in our pain or maybe mm-hmm. even glad uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that we're being embarrassed Ooh. by our prodigal.
1: Yeah. And so
2: envy. I mean, it's ugly. Sin yes, is so yes, ugly, and so and true. people they they might think our prodigal deserves what he's getting, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. so people can pull away from us relationally, yeah. and it can be a very lonely time. Yeah,
1: and I think what you described here in this uh, part is what we really most often think of when we hear about a prodigal family member—the really obvious, overt, outward rebellion. But I think there's another category that needs some clarification as well, and we're calling that the cultural prodigal. So, Shay, what do we mean by that? Yeah,
2: the cultural prodigal is different from the defiant prodigal. In that he or she may not engage in public behavior that that brings shame on the family. In fact, they may be very moral, they may be very successful in life, and just an all-around good person. But what we're calling a cultural prodigal is someone who rejects a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And so they are intellectually turning away from the teachings of Scripture and have adopted a secular worldview. Mm-hmm. And their Christian faith has has maybe eroded, maybe even de- they've deconstructed. And, and there are several reasons why this may happen. Uh, first of all, they may just have doubts about the authority of the Bible. Now, I, I think it's a, you know, when, when kids get to be teenagers and even in college, I think it's normal for kids mm-hmm. to ask questions. Sure. You know, they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out, um, am I going to adopt the faith of my parents? Am I going to own this mm-hmm. faith myself? And that can be a good process. So mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they're a prodigal necessarily. But um, but as they go along, a prodigal begins to believe, you know, the lie um, that Satan, you know, posed to Adam and Eve, did God really say? Mm. Mm-hmm. has god really spoken in the bible or is it just man's thoughts and therefore we can take it or leave it and you know this is uh essentially what happened with german higher criticism and the enlightenment and as a result of that as people began to distrust the bible didn't see it as the word of god it's just man's thoughts and what happened was is that thinking entered the church and it emptied out the churches in europe as well as the many mainline churches here in america mm-hmm. and uh, uh but i would say secondly a prodigal um not only doubts god's words but they, they may begin they, they become disappointed or disillusioned with god because their prayers about something weren't mm-hmm. answered right I, I i've you know we I, I've gone through something like that in in my own life, where mm-hmm. God, I was praying for something. Mm-hmm. God didn't answer the way mm-hmm. I wanted him to. And I said, you know what? I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done with God. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I had some good friends that- um,
1: <laughs> Pulled you back in. <laughs> you were <laughs> wandering away and they that's pulled exactly, you back in. <laughs> that's
2: exactly right. Uh-huh. Um, uh, or maybe a prodigal, they experienced dissonance between a biblical ethic and the cultural ethic, and in order to deal with that dissonance, they reject the Bible mm. as I their authority. I think That's a really huge life, one that we're right? seeing
1: right now. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially
2: with the sexual ethic that the Bible presents to us. Mm-hmm. And and people mm-hmm. will say, wait, th- our culture is doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, you know, the Bible can't be right. Sure. Right. You yeah. Know, we see that a lot. And, and I think it's often the case there is. Um, for, for the prodigal, there's really sometimes, many times, there's no one there to help them work through their doubts and the challenges they may face that 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 hit them. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why our, our church invests so heavily in our college ministry and having staff that that students can go to to mm-hmm. just think through their questions that come up about mm-hmm. the, the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. That is so important. And I
1: do think those college years, they're such a formative, important time. In fact, we were just talking recently with some friends, and their son is— I think, you know, somewhere on the spectrum of of acting in sort of a prodigal mindset. And I asked this person, when did you first notice that this shift was happening? And she said, well, he went off to college (laughs) and came home. And all of a sudden, you know. (laughs) He's questioning everything. He's pushing back on everything. He's distrusting. He's doubtful. So I think this is common. I think we see this happening.
2: I think it's one of the reasons why when our kids were little, I always remember told them, I'm the smartest person. Yes. Your parents are the smartest people right. you'll ever know. Yeah, Because I wanted to sow doubt about their <laughs> teachers. Now, as they grew older, right. they realized, right. wait a minute, wait, mom and dad, dad aren't right. the smartest right. people. For a little while. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> For a little while, they thought that we really knew what we were talking about, (laughs) but no, that's normal for kids to, you know, push back and think that through. But I think you're right. If they don't have someone to kind of guide their process and challenge them in their thinking along the way, then I think we end up with uh, the cultural prodigal.
2: Yeah. Lynn, tell us about the third type of
1: prodigal. Yeah. So here's where I'm kind of calling this category, the distrusting prodigal. And I think we're talking about this because sometimes kids walk away from their families or their faith because they have been deeply hurt by religion. And maybe they've been treated harshly. Maybe their doubts haven't been met with grace like we're talking about. Maybe they've experienced the abuse of power by you know, parents who call themselves Christians, but they parent in a very harsh or authoritarian, abusive way. And this prodigal wants to just reject all things having to do with God or the church because of the mistreatment that they've experienced. And deep down, they're very hurt. And to deal with that hurt, they cut themselves off from parents or family or friends or a church community to just kind of escape that pain. And if you've been listening to this series, we've done two episodes, one on difficult fathers one on difficult mothers, and in those episodes, we acknowledge that there really is bad parenting out there. Mm -hmm. You know, we give a lot of grace, good enough, nobody's perfect, but all of that is true, and Parents can make some pretty big mistakes. And and if you are on the receiving end of some bad parenting or hurtful behavior from people who claim to be of Christ, but they really are full of venom or condemnation instead of grace, then I think it would certainly make sense as to why you would distress and walk away from this faith because you believe that it is the source of your pain.
2: Yeah. Not, not only are there hurtful parents, but there are, as you mentioned, there there are harmful churches mm-hmm. out there yeah. that, that hurt people. And uh, maybe that's a whole different uh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, we'll get to that
3: series a- Episode, next. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: that There's should be interesting. There. But yeah. yeah, Lynn, as we've said, often the choices kids make are not the fault of their parents. But mm-hmm. many times... We can create the environment that produces the rebellion mm, in our kids.
3: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like a story we hear of often in the church. As parents who are right, very, um, very self righteous, um, they're they're very legalistic in their in their parenting. They're very controlling of their children. Lots of rules. But very little relationship and and very little emotional mm, connection mm-hmm. with their kids, which mm-hmm. we think is key. And mm-hmm. and and so if you're just filling your kids with just Bible verses and all this Bible knowledge, but you don't connect to their hearts, um, I think these are the types of parents who are probably maybe sowing the seeds of of having a prodigal. Not always, mm-hmm. but but maybe um, you're heading down that path. Or parents uh, that are on the opposite extreme and they have no boundaries at all um, or they themselves um, preach things, but they don't practice what they mm, preach. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, as parents, we're all hypocrites, right? right <laughs> okay? true, yeah. We're all on the spectrum there. Our, our lives will never live up to what we, what we truly preach. But these are people where their kids really do see the hypocrisy
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, in their parents where they're acting one way, but they're completely doing something else. And um, as a result, the kids end up rebelling.
1: Sure. Yeah. And then once that happens, you know, once that child walks away or that person walks away, it's so painful. And I think there may be several ways that we would naturally respond. Uh, You know, we've already talked about we feel embarrassed, ashamed, but we might feel angry, like we're mad at our kid for doing this. I think another big one is we feel scared. You know, we're really worried about them. And I think out of this distress, a lot of times we might go into like a fix-it mode where we're trying to control them. You know, we're texting them Bible verses every day. We're nagging them. We're kind of making more hoops for them to jump through because we think, okay, I've got to nip this in the bud and I need to change their heart. And you know maybe you end up getting into some conversations that are even a little bit heated. But yeah,
2: I might add arguing with arguing, them, getting in heated yeah, yeah. discussions and with so them. Yeah, it's
1: hard because you cannot fix, change, or control anyone else. You can only be in control of yourself. But when it's dealing with someone that you love, of course, you know you might try to fix them.
2: Yeah, uh, you also might choose to just ignore the problem. Maybe mm. it's so painful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you don't even want to think about your child and the choices they're making. And and so you don't really acknowledge what is Mm -hmm. going on. Um, Maybe you make excuses for them, as I mentioned before, and and you just live in a place of denial.
1: Yeah, and I think these are common and understandable reactions because you've lost connection with this person that you really love and you really care about. And I think many or, or most people are just kind of suffering in silence about this. They may feel alone, they may isolate themselves, and whatever hope that they have had for their child or for this person just kind of turns into bitterness or disappointment, and that's a really hopeless place to be. And that's where we want to go next is, okay, what do we do now? What are some principles that can guide us us when we have a prodigal in our lives. Right.
2: Help. Help. What, what, yeah. What's the yeah. answer? What's the lifeline? <laughs> right.
1: Well, I think the principles that we took from this book are really very wise. And we're just going to talk through each of them. And the first one is just work through your own guilt. You know, we, we've we mentioned this already, but you start by humbling yourself and owning your own stuff. And what do I mean by owning your own stuff? Well, Maybe you look back on your parenting and you recognize, you know, I was too harsh. You know, I I broke trust with my child and I never took the time to really repair it and enter into their world and try to understand them and try to understand their perspective. Or maybe you were too passive and you were kind of uninvolved and you just weren't able to provide the kind of guidance It's some critical points in their development. And the reality is, is that we all have our own moral failings, and it is possible to lose moral authority with your children. But this is the starting point where we ourselves need to experience God's grace. And if that's where you're at, then that is a good place to be, to be humbled, to be receiving God's grace. And God welcomes us in this. We can bring all parts of our heart. Our parenting, our mistakes, our regrets, we can bring all of this into God's presence and experience His forgiveness, His grace, and be released from any guilt that we may be holding on to as parents.
2: That's really good, Lynn. Le- and, yeah. I th-
1: you know, I think it's important to realize that, you know, you may have done everything right, so to speak, but the deceitfulness of the human heart is so strong. And children, all of us, can be very easily deceived. You know, the Bible warns us in 1 John 2.16 that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life are very powerful forces around us that can easily deceive us and that we need to guard ourselves against them because they have this strong siren signal that is very alluring. So even under the best of conditions, no one— and I mean no one, you, me, no one is immune to these forces. And it may simply be that the prodigal in your life was deceived by the enemy and and that, you know, their hearts were taken away by, you know, the lies of the enemy. And that's why prayer is going to be a key part of this process. And we're going to get to that at the end. But take us to the second yeah,
2: principle. Yeah, yeah. So, so your point was number one: you you've got to you own to deal your with the own guilt sin and own your, your own, own sin. Yeah, and then rest in Christ's forgiveness of Absolutely. you. Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah, um, a big one. Yeah, it's really good. Examine your own heart. Um, but yeah, the second principle is you need to remove any relational barriers. Um, so, um, some examples of that is you, you might apologize to your child mm-hmm. uh, if you've hurt or wronged them. Um, maybe their perception of your actions seems over the top or extreme, but you don't really get to decide <laughs> yeah, that, right? that's and, the hard part. <laughs> and, and so, all you can do is take responsibility and offer a sincere mm-hmm. apology. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't make excuses. Um, then you can attempt to to make amends as they may allow. Uh, It's never too late to pick up the pieces. You know, our kids truly do long for connection with us. And so if we are the barrier to that because of our own sin and shortcomings that we haven't been willing to acknowledge, then then that is a very doable thing on our part that we can do to open the pathway Mm -hmm. to a relationship with them, if at all possible.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, There are all types of wounds that we can affect on our kids, but I'll mention how our words Mm -hmm. um, in particular can have an effect. Words like, well, you'll never amount to anything. Um, can't you do anything right? Why can't you be more like your <laughs> your sister? Mm-hmm. And, and and words like these often, you know, uh, create deep wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, or as I think about, you know, old school fathers out there, especially coaches, you know, who are very harsh on their kids with their words and never had compassion and are hard-hearted towards their own kids, can, can drive their kids away mm-hmm. and, and make them want to rebel or even I'll, I'll pick on pastors, right? And just not, not uh, football coaches, but uh, pastors who are harsh with their kids. And,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, they lay down the law because they don't want to be embarrassed. in in front of the church. Um, So they put expectations on kids that they never can live up to. Mm. And there's no grace. There's no forgiveness. Um, And yet the pastor can be hypocritical and and not own his own sins. Or catch this, and and, and I think this is maybe sometimes very common uh, Pastors, uh, full time ministers, can care for everyone else in their mm-hmm. congregation, but they neglect their own family, mm-hmm. and, and and so no wonder their kids don't want to have anything to do with mm-hmm. Christianity when they grow up. Maybe that's why that term "pastors' kid," PK kid, uh, mm-hmm. came about is is yeah. is because of some of those reasons. Um, or maybe pastor's kids are hurt because of the way they see the church uh, maybe hurt their father.
1: Mm, um, mm-hmm. That's a big one. And,
2: and we've heard examples of that. But w- one of the things I've tried is, is just to own my own sin with my kids mm-hmm. and over the years and, and to, to go to them— to ask for forgiveness when I've hurt them, or uh, or apologize for things I've done in the past. As I look back on my mm-hmm. parenting now, as they're a little bit older, but just to mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm breaking any down any barriers that maybe have cropped up in in our relationship, and to be right with them. And sometimes it takes time. Yeah, you know, over the years, you look back and you go, you know what, I I I, I did some wrong things there, mm-hmm. and and I need to go and. And, mm. and apologize.
1: Yeah, I think that's really powerful because, again, kids long to connect with the parents. And so if you can offer that to them and own your own stuff and humble yourself and apologize to them, most of the time kids are very receptive yeah. to that. You know, the third principle that we want to look at is that we need to extend unconditional love And I think that this principle is a really, really tough one because if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, our parenting is often based on our kids' performance. And kids pick up on this very easily. You know, we're affirming them when they're being, quote, good. We're scolding them when they're being, quote, bad. And these are normal human responses that we have as parents. But if we want to parent our kids in the same way that God parents us, Then this is going to be something that's going to really push the envelope for us beyond what we're capable of in a human sense. We're going to have to press more deeply into God's love for us because, humanly speaking, you might feel very angry towards your prodigal child because they've made a mess of things. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like, why aren't you getting with the program? You know, you're frustrated, you're hurt, you're angry. You may even feel spite towards your child because they've hurt you. They've embarrassed you. And so you want them to feel hurt. And so you may withhold love as a way to try to control them, maybe to get them back to behaving the way you want them to behave. And I know that this is very tempting, but I think Phil Waldrop in this book makes a really great point that, if we can strive to love our prodigal unconditionally. Now, this doesn't mean that we're approving of their you know, bad behavior or their choices that are self-destructive, but it is letting them know that our love for them isn't based on them pleasing us or making us feel good about ourselves, that that love is there no matter what?
2: Yeah, you're right, Lynn. We, we want to communicate to them that they're always welcome in our lives. Mm-hmm. We're, we're always open to a relationship with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's not, I'll love you if you do what I want mm-hmm. you to do. Mm-hmm. It's, I love you even though you aren't doing oh, man. what I want you That's to do. That's really
1: powerful. And, yeah. and
2: when we offer this kind of love, there, there's no guarantee
1: mm-hmm. that
2: it will be reciprocated. Uh, they may still curse you. They may still reject you and and not want a relationship with you. But we are offering a, a, an open-handed love uh, in the same way that, that God loves us. And you know what? (laughs) This is hard to do. (laughs) Uh, It it may test your limits. It it will test your limits. But it's a unique role that we play as parents.
1: Yeah, and it's unique. I'll just insert this here. Because the parent-child relationship is the only earthly relationship in which a person can experience unconditional love. You don't get unconditional love in a marriage marital love is based on conditions. Those conditions are the vows that you make on your wedding day, right? It's not just, oh, you can do anything you want and I'll love you. No, it's, I promise to be faithful to you, to honor you, to cherish you. There are conditions around that relationship. The parent-child relationship, however, though, is meant to be unconditional. Your child's misbehaving, they're acting up, they're not doing it, and yet you're there and you love them and you're attached to them and that love doesn't change, that love is secure. And so let's just move on to the next principle. We could spend more time there, but the fourth principle is, I think it's the fourth, um, allowing the prodigal to feel the pain of their wrong decisions. And maybe we could call this the pain, quote unquote, the pain of the pigsty principle. (laughs) Um, We talked a little bit about this um, in our logical consequences when we did becoming a whole person. Um, But we're going to explain it a little bit more here. And I think we get this principle from the story of the prodigal son. So Shay. Go a little bit more deeply into that story. What is the pain of the pigsty?
2: Yeah, most of us are probably familiar with this story, um, and I won't go into it in full detail, but essentially, right, the younger son asked for his inheritance early from his father. And so basically what he was saying in that culture, we don't quite catch it, but, but basically what he was saying is, is I don't want to have a relationship with you. Um, by by doing that Mm -hmm. and so he goes off and he lives this immoral life he ends up broke Um, he ends up eating with the pigs and god uh, intervenes and grants grants him the grace to repent and and go home and his father you know we're told just this just you know beautiful scene welcomes him mm-hmm. runs out to meet him and lavishes grace upon him and forgives him uh, it, it's a great story and illustration of god's grace to us as sinners when we repent but but here's what i want you to see sometimes we have to let our kids go and and experience the pigsty mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. sometimes maybe the only thing we can do is to pray, God, let the pigsty be stinky <laughs> to our kids, mm-hmm. but but let your grace and love and forgiveness be sweet. Mm. Did you catch that? Let the mm-hmm. pigsty that they're experiencing mm-hmm. be really stinky, but may your grace and love be sweet to them. Um, you know, help them through a friend, Um by showing your grace, we pray this, God, help them through maybe a friend or someone in their life to come and to help them see in that pigsty that following you, loving you, being obedient to you is sweet. But, but sometimes you have to just let the child mm-hmm. experience the pain of their choices. Mm-hmm. You have to let them go. You, you can't enable them. Um, they need to feel the pain of the pigsty. Um, but when they do repent and come back home, they're always welcome to come home and find grace and forgiveness. Um, Lynn, I, I know parents, I, I know you do too, who enable their children and they never really let their kids hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And I get how hard that can be. hmm um, I, I do. I understand the pain of that. But, but if you continue to enable them, that they're never going to change. And actually, they may end up dragging you mm-hmm. and other family members down with mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. if you don't, if you mm-hmm. continue to enable mm-hmm. them. And, and, and so my heart goes out to you if yeah. you're in that situation, because I've had parents look at me and say, if I stop enabling them, they may die. Yeah. And I get it; it's yeah. it's heartbreaking.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and so, my prayer for you is that just that God may give you wisdom and, mm-hmm. and and grace and and in that decision that that perhaps needs to be made.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a position that no parent is prepared for, right? Or wants to be in. And there's no formula or textbook to tell you what to do. But the general principles that we see God do with us is He gives us the freedom to choose. But He also gives us the freedom to experience the consequences that come along with those choices. And if He lets us experience that pain, sometimes it's that pain that brings us back to Him. And it makes fellowship with Him all that much sweeter. And I would have to say that families that I've known over the years where they've had a a child who was a prodigal and then came back to relationship with them or relationship with the Lord— they have an enthusiasm about them and a, and a credibility about them that is infectious because someone who's lived in a pigsty mm-hmm. <laughs> and knows how yucky that is to come into fellowship with the Lord and experience freedom. I mean, you can't get them to stop talking about Jesus because they are so excited And want others to know the hope and the freedom and the joy and the restoration that comes when that fellowship is restored. And so I'm not saying that that, you know, is the happy ending that everybody gets. I wish that it was. But when we hear those stories, we see, wow, God has done a tremendous work through the pain that they've experienced. Well, let's look at the fifth principle. You've mentioned it a little bit already, but it is about watching your words you know, because our words do carry a lot of weight. You know, I my kids remind our kids remind me of things. That, <laughs> Mom, do you remember when I was six years old and you told me blah 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 and I'm like, I, I no, I have no memory. <laughs> I think I've blocked it all out. Like, no, but those words have stuck with them. They have not forgotten. And so our words are either going to be a blessing to our children or they're going to be a curse. To our children, and so we really need to watch our words. And what might that look like specifically, Shay, when it comes to having a child that's a prodigal?
2: Yeah, it's just amazing how um, important our words are, mm-hmm. and how they can. You're right, be a blessing to our kids, or. How much damage they can do. Mm-hmm. We all, and we know that ourselves in our own sure. lives, right? When yeah. somebody compliments us, you know, and it's a genuine compliment. And I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can live on a compliment, right, for I a week. I can
1: live for a year. <laughs> <laughs> Especially sometimes,
2: from your husband. But,
1: sometimes that's but, all I get and I tuck it away. Man,
2: I tell you what, somebody yeah. can say something even yeah. offhanded and One it'll negative. stick with me all day long. Yeah, and uh, even though I'm doing a lot of things right, just that one thing, the that one, one piece of criticism. So, what yeah. should
1: we do instead? Yeah, I,
2: I, we, we've mentioned some of these, but you know, stop nagging, uh, correct your kids sparingly, um, use your words to affirm the good in your child. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think we can get in this pattern where we're just always pointing out what they're doing the wrong, negative. but we never talk about sure. the good things yeah. that we do or or the good traits or character mm-hmm. uh, things that qualities that they have. Um, you know, uh, y- you mentioned, I think you wrote this in the notes for me to say, but show love languages. <laughs> I see what you did here, but no, but, this is you, good, you know, though. but touch, right? Uh, showing um, emotional affection, yeah. touch with your kids.
1: But it's like one of uh, the uh, New Year's it, resolutions you had this year. I don't know if I'm a, it's okay for me to say it on air, but you said you wanted to spend quality time one-on-one with each of the kids. And I think that's great. That's a love language where you're intentionally, you know, touch words of affirmation, spending time. Hug
2: them, gifts. Tell Um, them you love
1: them, absolutely.
2: Keep asking them good questions, even though they blow you off, but just stay at it. Um, May God give you grace to do that. Stay connected as as best you can with your kids and always leave that door open to them for, for, for good conversations.
1: Yeah, and this is just so good. But I think where we need to end with this is the last principle, which is prayer. You know, that we're going to be praying some hard prayers as parents. And, you know, my dad wrote a book, actually, called A Practical Guide for Praying Parents. And I got it a couple of years ago. I think I read through it and underlined some things. But as we prepared for today's episode, I gave it to you and you read it in a day. It's it's not a very long book. It doesn't take very long to read. But you were like, wow, there's some really good prayers in here. And so tell us a little bit about this book. I will also put a link to it in the show notes. So if you're a parent that... Wants to get their hands on this book, um, will point you to it. But what what did you like about the book? What do you like about the prayers? Yeah,
2: I, I really enjoyed it. Your dad has a lot of wisdom in dealing with prodigals, and um, so he has a lot of things to say. But but also just just you know. Um, Helping us in praying for our yeah, children, whether they're, the whether they're prodigals or not, sure. but, yeah. but, uh, sometimes I think we can, we, when we pray for our kids, we just pray the same things for material mm, blessing. And mm-hmm. we, we, we tend to be very repetitive, but, um, there, there's some. There's some prayers in there that um, I thought were really good in helping us to just confess our own sins before God Amen. and then also to pray for for our kids spiritually that God soften our hearts and help them to 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 repent and to see the stinkiness of the pigsty those kind of things and so they're they're really great to help you in your your, your prayer life and um, and and so I would I would uh, fully uh, recommend the book. I thought it was really good, and I, I thought I'll just end with this, Lynn. I, I thought one of the things that your your dad mentions in the book is, and maybe you mentioned this, is just never give up hope, because mm-hmm. you you never know how God might answer your prayers, and. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes your prayers, you may not even see your prayers answered mm-hmm. the, this side of heaven. And yeah. your your dad ends the book with the story of Daryl Strawberry. And I'll, I'll just tell it quickly, but many of you are familiar with him. He was a, um, he might even be in the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm not quite sure, but won a World Series, I think, with the Mets and possibly the Yankees. And, um, was just an awesome player, but, but dealt, had a drug addiction Mm. and, um, you know, in some sense squandered a lot of his wealth and a lot of his life. And, and his mother, who was a Christian would journal and, uh, would, would pray for him. And, um, it ends up that, that, that Daryl becomes a Christian and in fact now has a ministry Uh, Yeah, to people. In fact, we've had him at our church to Mm -hmm. speak and just a very powerful uh, faith story of how God worked in his life to save him. But it's interesting that that Daryl, going back after his mother's death, was reading through her her journals Mm -hmm. and her prayers for him
3: Mm -hmm. that he Mm -hmm.
2: would... Would repent and come to faith in Christ, and would beat this addiction. Hmm. And she never realized that while she Uh, was alive, right? um, Because she died before all Mm -hmm. of that happened in his life. But it's just a a great story. You you never know what God um, might might do. And so um, I just want to you know final thing I'll just say is is just I just We'll be, you know, we we our hearts go out to those who have mm-hmm. prodigals. And we hope that this episode just gives you some wisdom and and thinking through this issue and um our hearts are with you and may may God give you the wisdom and and grace to to help parent as best you can.
1: Yeah, and that is the host hope of the gospel that Jesus welcomes us home. You know, this parable of the prodigal son is lined up with a couple of other parables about the lost sheep and the lost coin. And the imagery that it's giving us is that Jesus pursues us when we're lost. And so this is a way that we can love the people in our lives when they've pulled away. I think the last thing I want to say is, you know, there's a lot of fear that comes with having someone in your life that's a prodigal. And I think this point of prayer is where we transfer the trust to God, that God will do what he's going to do in his timing in the life of the prodigals that we love. And so we do want to end on that note that we can trust God because he loves your prodigal even more. Than you do.
2: That's no, a great line. Yeah. So we've
1: said a lot today. We hope this has been helpful. And uh, thanks for being with us. And stay tuned for the next episode in the Managing Your Dysfunctional Family series. Good to be with you today, Shay.
0: Yep. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. And thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of your life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Check out our website, withyouintheweeds.com. You can find all our episodes there and a whole lot more. Or, if you like what you're hearing, simply follow us on Instagram, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.